0: Tonight we're going to study a passage out of the 119th Psalm. So if you would, get out a Bible and turn to there. There's a couple things I'd like for you to see as do the introduction to this. So the title of the lesson this evening is Hide Behind the Scriptures. I heard Van use this phrase yesterday and uh, just thought it'd be perfect for what I want to talk about tonight. Tonight. And it's us realizing how important the scriptures are and realizing that that's where we need to seek refuge, is in the scriptures and hide everything that we do behind what we find there. Okay, so first of all, as we look at Psalm 119, the Psalms are actually, every Psalm is its own independent thing. It's not like Uh, You know, when we read Luke and Luke is split up into chapters, it was just one basically long thing and then the writers went in and arbitrarily put chapter numbers in there. Uh, And in the Psalms, it's different than that because like the second Psalm is not connected to the 119th Psalm. It's not like it was one long thing and they just put those in there, their own individual thing. And so sometimes we refer to it as the, the 119th chapter, but really, I think more accurately we should say it's the 119th Psalm. Um, but I wanted to say this before I began. I, I forgot, but um, I, I definitely didn't plan on giving this when it, whenever uh, I saw what Brent was talking about this morning. There's going to be a little bit of overlap here at the beginning. You'll see, but we'll diverge pretty quickly from from what he was uh, talking about this morning with the Bible translations. So, the 119th Psalm is the longest chapter or whatever in the Bible. The 119th Psalm is split into 22 sections. So if you look at your Bible, I mean, on the one that I have, I think both of them that we have here are like this. You can see how they're split up into different sections, and if you counted there, there's 22 different sections that it's split up into. Incidentally, there's 22 letters in the Hebrew alf- alphabet, and that's not incidentally; it's actually by design that way. Every section refers to the uh, to a letter of the Hebrew uh, alphabet. Now, in Hebrew you read from, and I, of course I'm no Hebrew expert, um, but anyways, you, in Hebrew you read from the right to the left. And so as you see right here, this is Aleph, and if you look at the first part of, of Psalm 119, you see it's spelt different with a PH instead of an F, but that's Aleph, Bet, or Beth, how it is here, Gimel, and so forth. And you can see how each one of these is um, a letter from the Hebrew alphabet, now, the 119th Psalm is what, we, is what they call an acrostic. Each letter of the first word of each verse in Hebrew began with the same letter. So what I mean by that is this, is I took the, the section we're going to take, the second section of, one, of Psalm 119, verses 9 through 16, and it's Beth. That's the second Hebrew letter. And again, in the Hebrew language, you read from right to left. And so you can see right here, this word started with that letter. This did Every word starts with the same letter in that section. So to me, whenever I read this, if you've ever tried to put a lesson together where you try to make each point like start with one letter and try to have like three or four or five points where they each start with the same letter, that is an incredible task. This proves to me that this was inspired by God because they did this 176 times in this one chapter. That's incredible that that was, that they were able to do that, to find words that would start with that letter to, to make sense in each one of these verses. I thought this was interesting, just saw this. This is from the Dead Sea Scrolls. This is actually the 119th Psalm, kind of tying back to what Brent did this morning, but this is from the Dead Sea Scrolls, and uh, this is the 119th Psalm, verses 1 through 24. Um, there's eight verses for each section in Psalm 119, 22 sections. If you do the math, 22 times 8 to 176. In the 119th Psalm, when you read through there, nearly every single verse mentions God's word in some way. It uses words like precept, statute, law, judgments, testimonies, and I didn't get all of them, but that's pretty much all of them. If you look in every verse, I think there's two or maybe three verses where it doesn't, but in nearly every single verse in this chapter, it refers to God's word in some way. All right, so we're going to start here in the, in the ninth verse of the 119th Psalm, again taking the second section of this, of this psalm. So verse 9, the scripture says this, Wherewithal shall a young man cleanse his way? Now he asks a rhetorical question here. How can a young person cleanse his way? Or other translations say, how can a young man um, be pure? And he gives the immediate answer to that. And he says, by taking heed according to thy word. So I want to say this evening that it is possible for young people to resist the temptations and snares of the world. And of course, nobody's perfect. And of course, young people, old people alike We're going to fall into Satan's traps from time to time. And I mean, the Bible tells us that. So that's, you know, not reading into anything. We all do that. But for the most part, young people can resist the temptations and snares of this world. That's what this verse tells us. You know, the world lies to young people today. And specifically, I I want to say this. The world says that it is impossible for young people to remain sexually pure. And they say it's it's foolish of you. It's naive of you to think that a young person can be sexually pure. And what I'm saying to you is that is an absolute bald-faced lie. It's a lie from Satan himself. Every young person can resist that. They can fight that urge and they can win that temptation. And the Bible tells us that we can fight that temptation. In 1 Timothy 4 and verse 12, Paul told Timothy, Let no man despise thy youth, but be thou an example of the believers in word, in conversation, in charity, in spirit, in faith, and in purity. So Paul told Timothy, don't don't look at yourself and say to yourself, you know what, I'm just a young guy. I'm just a young person. I, I'm young. I'm dumb. Whatever. I, I'm not able to make good decisions. No. He said do the exact opposite of that because you can. You can make good decisions. You can do things that will allow you to stay you know, in faith and in purity. You can make decisions to do with that. So again, he says here, wherewithal shall a young man cleanse his way He says, by taking heed according to thy word. Now, what the world says, the world says, okay, young person, if you want to be a good person when you grow up, what you need to do is listen to your heart. If you will listen to your heart, young person, you will become a good person. That's what the world tells you. And again, lie. That's a lie. In Ecclesiastes 11 and verse 9 Solomon said this, Rejoice, O young man, in thy youth, and let thy heart cheer thee in the days of thy youth, and walk in the ways of thine heart, and in the sight of thine eyes. So we we read this, I read this, and I'm like, okay, well, you know, that kind of seems to indicate exactly what the world says. But I intentionally left the last half of this verse off. This is actually how it finishes. He says, but... Know thou that for all these things God will bring thee into judgment. So Solomon said, It's fine. If you want to live by what your heart tells you to do and what, what the side of your eyes tells you to do, that's fine. But he said, You need to know this God will judge you for that. In other words, if you live by that idea and that mindset, you are making a terrible decision. In the next verse there of Ecclesiastes 11:10, and 10, he says, therefore remove sorrow from thy heart and put away evil from thy flesh for childhood and youth are vanity. In other words, it's childish. What he's saying is it's childish for you to live by the mindset that I'm gonna let my heart guide me and let my sight guide me. He said, put that away from you. That's vanity. It's, it's not wise to do that and take that sorrow from your heart because if you live by the mindset of I'm gonna be guided by my heart, you're going to have Sorrow. So again, the idea here is what he says is, how can a young man cleanse his way? It's by taking heed according to God's word. And so that's what a young person needs to do. Young people, you need to hide yourself behind the scriptures. Hide yourself behind the scriptures. Don't hide yourself behind your heart. If you hide yourself behind your heart, you're going to take arrows and you're going to be hurt. And again, we all make mistakes, but I'm just saying we can um, minimize the the consequences and the things that might go, uh, happen in our life if we will take heed according to God's word, uh, hide behind the scriptures. Okay, the second verse of our section here of Psalm 119 verse 10 says this, "'With my whole heart have I sought thee, O oh, let me not wander from thy commandments.'" So I want to focus on the part here where he says that with his whole heart he sought after God. Can we honestly say that we've tried to seek God with all of our heart? Can we honestly say that? I want to look at just a, a thing here in 2nd Chronicles 15. So in this 2nd Chronicles there's a prophet that's talking to Asa. Now Asa is David's King David's great great grandson and things were not going good. Of course, we know during, during this time period of the kings, they were ba- fluctuating up and down, good and bad, and this Asa took over a situation that was not good. So I'm gonna start down there in verse five, then I'm gonna bounce back up to verse two. But in verse five, it says, in those times there was no peace to him that went out, nor to him that came in, but great vexations were upon all the inhabitants of the countries. So that's the situation that they're in. They're in a place where there's no peace. Everything that they do, there's great vexation, There's just everything that they do is is a difficulty that they have to go through. Now I wanna jump back up to verse two and it says, and he, this is speaking of the prophet, he went out to meet Asa and said unto him, hear ye me and all Judah and Benjamin, the Lord is with you while ye be with him. And if you seek him, he will be found of you. But if you forsake him, he will forsake you. Now for a long season, Israel hath been without the true God and without a teaching priest and without law. But when they in their trouble did turn unto the Lord God of Israel and sought him, he was found of them. So the prophet tells Asa that that they have forsaken God. And he said in verse 3, he said the problem that they had is they weren't seeking God. And he said that they were without a teaching priest and that they were without law. And that's kind of like one thing that Brent talked about this morning during the the dark ages or whatever, where there was a a ruling class that had their own... Um, different version of what the Bible said. They had, you know, their own stuff and they were teaching people. And so they definitely didn't have the law. They had this man's version of what the law was, the, the exact same thing. And he says that was the problem is that they were without law. And that's the reason that they were going through this difficulty. Now, as you drop down in verse 15 of that same chapter of Second Chronicles 15, it says, and all Judah rejoiced at the oath for they had sworn with all their heart and sought him with their whole desire he was found of them and the lord gave them rest round about. so these people decided in their heart they were going to see god with all of their heart it wasn't just going to be you know whenever i get time in the evening if i get time you know if i'm able to catch a catch a little bit of a nap get a little bit rested then i'll wake up and then maybe i'll study and that's not how they approached it. They had the attitude, "We are going to fully embrace searching God out to find him." And it says when they did that that they that God gave them rest roundabout. And as the prophet told Asa, the main problem they had is that they were without law. So they went and they found the law, they studied the law, and they were able to hide themselves behind that and to have that that comfort and that peace, that rest. Okay, the next verse, verse 11 of Psalm 119. He says, Thy word have I hid in my heart that I might not sin against thee. So he says here, the psalmist says that I took your word and he said, I hid it in my heart that I might not sin against thee. And I realized that we could, you know, you, you could probably take this to mean several different things here. But for as long as I remember really thinking about this verse, I've always taken it to mean that whenever he said he hid God's word in his heart, that he literally was memorizing scriptures. And I know some people might think, well, you know, as long as you take general truths of God's word into your heart, I, I mean, I, I understand that and, and I think that would apply, but I've always taken this scripture to mean that he, he literally took scripture and memorized scriptures. And of course he couldn't memorize all scriptures, that'd be impossible for for anybody. I suppose maybe some people could memorize every scripture, but it's not saying we have to memorize every scripture, but I think it's good. I think it's a very good thing for us to, to do that. You know, in teaching, one thing they talk to us about is that there's practices and that there's best practices whenever you do practice, that gets the job done. You can teach and, you know, everybody learns from that. But there's best, practice, best practices that really gets the job done. And I think that doing what I'm saying is a best practice. If we can memorize scripture and commit it to heart, I think it will put us in a very, a very good place. And, you know, some people might say, well, I'm just not the type of person to memorize scriptures. Well, why not? Have you tried? Have you really tried, or have you just said that? Try it, try it I, th- I think it is a a very, very beneficial thing to do that you know sometimes in in my life, I try to find a tangible way to show God that I love him sometimes I, I feel like i 'm going through my life and I get to you know like what I would consider a spiritual desert where I just I just feel like, you know, I'm just everything's going on and I'm just trying to keep up with stuff and I just feel like I'm, I'm not in my mind where I should be relating to God. And, and sometimes I get to those places and I think, what can I do to show God that I, that I truly do love him? Even though I'm in a place where I don't necessarily feel it right now, what can I do to show him that I love him? And there's a lot of things that we could do. And I mean like tangible, tangible things that I can do that do. And this is definitely one of those things that we can do, is to memorize scriptures. And so I think a good practice is to think about a sin that is is a problem for you. We all have sins. We all know ourselves. We all know the stuff that we struggle with. And what I would encourage you to do is to think about a, a sin that you're struggling with. Study the scriptures and find some scriptures that relate to the sin that you're dealing with and memorize some of those verses. You don't have to memorize, you know, 50 verses or anything, but memorize a few scriptures that relate directly to that sin that you're dealing with. And, and I think that's exactly, I mean, that's exactly what the scripture says. He says, I hid your word in my heart so that I wouldn't sin against you. And I think that that is a very good, good thing for us to do because it's us showing to God saying, look, I know I struggle with this sin and I hate this sin, but it's like what what uh, Paul talked about, about the struggle with that. But It's me saying to God, I struggle with this sin, but I'm serious. I want this out of my life. Even though I keep doing it, I want it gone. And one thing for me to do to show to God that I really am serious about that is by committing some of those scriptures to my memory so that I can help fight that whenever I'm tempted by that sin. All right, next verse in verse 12. He says, Blessed art thou, O Lord, teach me thy statutes blessed art thou, O Lord, teach me thy statutes. I want to focus on the part here where he says, teach me. So you can see what the psalmist is doing here is in writing this psalm, he's actually talking to God. And he says to God, teach me thy statutes. Most people know that I'm a teacher, that I'm a geometry teacher. I talk about this every time I'm up here because a lot of, you know, stuff from that. But the, whenever I think about geometry most of the kids that I teach in geometry not all but most of the kids I teach in geometry are only in my class because they have to be in my class if they didn't if the state of Texas didn't tell them you have to get a geometry credit, my load would be way 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 lighter I promise you that and you know if after church if you know somebody came up to me and said please teach me geometry nobody, nobody's gonna do that I, I guarantee you that nobody wants that the psalmist had the exact opposite attitude. He went to the master and he said, I want to know what your word teaches. I want to know what your statutes are. I want to know what you want from me. He had the exact opposite, the exact opposite attitude of what I was talking about. In Isaiah 28, and verse 10, he talks about the way we learn. He says, for precept upon precept, precept upon precept, line upon line, here a little, there a little. That's the way we as humans learn. Most people don't just learn whole big swaths of information at one time. Sometimes there are you know, people who are you know, absolute geniuses who learn that way, but very, very, very few people learn that way. Most people take one little bit of learning, and then they stack, and they stack, and they stack, and they stack, and that's the way that we learn. So what I want to say is that we need to be open to different methods of learning God's Word. Now, being at the worship assembly right now, this is definitely a way for us to learn the Word of God. It's a perfect way for us to, work, to learn the Word of God. It's a way that God has absolutely set up. So there's really no question about that. We need to be here at the assembly learning the Word of God in this format. But there's other ways for us to learn God's Word. We need to study individually at home. You know, if you have family at home, study with your family, involve them, and, and spend time in God's Word doing that. Go to Bible studies with other fellow Christians. You know, the Scriptures teaches us that, uh, this, that we, we have songs and we can teach each other, we can teach ourselves with songs. Learn to sing songs at home that can teach you and build you up in the Word of God. So I want to use this as an illustration. As I was thinking about this, it just kept coming to my mind, so I decided to use this so, if you've ever had a dessert like this where they take the jello and they just, they just layer it up like that, it, I've had it and I like jello. Um, I've got several jugs of jello in my refrigerator at home right now. But if, if you think about it like this, each of those layers is, a, is one more different way of us acquiring God's word. So, if you think about this bottom layer here, this blue or purple layer, whatever that is. Think of that layer as being like us learning the Word of God here at the worship assembly, okay? Again, that's a perfect way, that's the way God set up. So that's one way that we can learn the Word of God. But let's say you were making this dessert, and that's all you did is you put this one little, tiny little layer of blue jello down at the bottom. You know, I'm gonna take two or three spoonfuls, and I'm done, and I'm gonna want more. There's not enough there. That's not enough. It takes these other layers, Okay, this green layer, like you studying at home by yourself. The yellow one, like you studying with your family at home. This one, like you studying with other Christians. This, you singing songs. If it was just the blue layer, it, you know, it, that, it's there. It's jello. It's good. But whenever you start stacking these up, one on top of the other, now we're talking about something. Now we're getting somewhere. And that's what we need to do is we need to take all of these different ways for us to learn the Word of God and to to seek out those different ways so that we can have the same attitude that the psalmist said here, teach me, teach me, I want to learn. And we need to have that attitude and just layer it up, just find all the different ways that we can. So again, we're hiding ourselves behind his word. Okay, the 13th verse, he said, with my lips have I declared all the judgments of thy mouth. So the psalmist said, I spoke about your word. In the 40th Psalm, which is, I believe by David, the 119th Psalm is not by David, but the 40th Psalm, verses nine and 10, he says, I have preached righteousness in the great congregation. Lo, I have not refrained my lips, O Lord, thou knowest. I have not hid thy righteousness within my heart. I have declared thy faithfulness and thy salvation. I have not concealed thy loving kindness and thy truth from the great congregation. So he said, I preached about it. He said, I told other people about your goodness. In verse 10 is what I really want to get at. He said I have not hidden, I have not hid thy righteousness within my heart. Now, what he's meaning here is he's saying he's not just leaving it there. I believe he's talking about the exact same thing that we're reading about in Psalms 119. He said I put it in my heart, but he said I didn't just put it in my heart and just leave it in there and keep it to myself and not let other people know about it. What he's saying is it's in my heart, but he said it just filled up my heart so much. He said, it just, just came out. He said, I declared thy faithfulness. Of course, just like what Jesus said in Luke 6, I'm going, going to only read verse 45. He says, a good man out of the treasure of his heart bringeth forth that which is good, and an evil man out of the evil treasure of his heart bringeth forth that which is evil, for of, for of the abundance of the heart his mouth speaketh. When we study the word of God and we completely fill it up into our hearts and we're we're finding different ways to, to learn it. It's gonna be exactly like what Jesus said here. And we all know what Jesus says right here to be the truth. Of course, it's the truth because Jesus said it, but we know it, we all know this from personal experience. Now, if a person has good things in their heart, that's gonna come out and generally they're not gonna to be too worried about that. Sometimes people have bad things in their heart and as bad as they try to, to hide that, sometimes it just comes out because it's just filling it up. And we need to be of, of the sort where we are filling up our hearts so full with God's word that we can't help but just speak about how good he is to other people. Okay, in the 14th verse of, our, of the psalm here, he says, I have rejoiced in the ways of thy testimonies as much as in all riches. He said, I was, was happy. I was joyful in your testimonies. As much as in all riches, of course, you know he's talking about just every every riches you can imagine in the earth. What if you found a book that guaranteed that you would make a billion dollars if you read that book? Some of you say, nah, "Nah, no thanks. I don't want that. I don't want all that money to know the troubles that would come with that." But you you know what I mean. You know what I'm trying to get at here. What if somebody gave you said, "If you read this book, I guarantee you, you will make a billion dollars if you read this book." And they said, if you don't, I'll, I'll give you the billion dollars. I guarantee it. You will make a billion dollars. Would you read that book? Well, Jesus said in Matthew 16, verse 26, for what is a man profited if he shall gain the whole world and lose his own soul? Or what shall a man give in exchange for his soul? Of course, Jesus is talking about the fact here that our souls, each one soul is worth more than the entire world. The word of God guarantees that if you read it, And you follow it, you will secure a possession more valuable than the entire world. As the psalmist said, he said, I rejoiced in your testimonies more than all riches. In Psalm 19 verses 9 through through 10, he says, The fear of the Lord is clean and enduring forever. The judgments of the Lord are true and righteous altogether. More to be desired are they than gold, yea, than much fine gold, sweeter also than honey and the honeycomb we cannot overvalue the word of God. You know, sometimes whenever houses are appraised, appraiser will go in there and they will appraise a house for really more than it's worth, basically so they can collect more taxes from it or, you know, anyways, that's my perception of the way that works sometimes. Um, You could not do that to the word of God. You couldn't put a value on it that would exceed what it is actually worth. You couldn't put a number on it high enough to get above that. In the 15th verse of our chapter here, it says, I will meditate in thy precepts and have respect unto thy ways. I want to focus on the idea here of him talking about meditating, meditating in thy precepts. So the word meditate, you know, whenever I was a little kid, I always thought of like the Buddhists or whatever, you know, sitting there with their hands like this and sitting, you know, crisscross and and humming and all that kind of stuff. That's not what it means. It's just taking the taking it and just putting it into our minds and thinking about it. You know, there was more than just cursory reading to get him to this place where he said he meditated. You know, if we are just reading the the Bible as fast as we can to get you know a certain amount of words read and you know in a day we're not going to be able to retain that information so that we can think about it later. know, that's one thing that they teach to little kids is, you know, as they're growing up is like, okay, you can, you can, first of all, you can understand what this letter is. You know the sound that it makes. Okay, then we can put letters together. You can make this word. Then, okay, now you can read this sentence and then you can read this paragraph and then boom, you're off to the races. But then the, the main thing is like, okay, you can read, but do you comprehend what you're reading? And that's the thing. Do you actually know what it is you're reading? Or are you just like, okay, look at me. I I can read these big fancy words. Do you actually know what you're reading? And that's what happens when we're meditating is we're actually able to to take it in, to comprehend it and to think about it. You know, using the word of God is a process. First, we have to hear the word of God. We have to hear it. And you know, it can stop there. Sometimes people can just hear the word of God and just, you know, just be done with that. It's just like, you know, in, in my class, whenever I'm teaching kids, sometimes a kid's sitting there and, you know, I'm, I'm teaching them, I'm showing stuff for them and they're writing it down. And then I come over and ask them later, like they're struggling with like, okay, you wrote this down. So where, where is the thing? And they're like, well, I wrote that down because you wrote that down. I have no idea what that means. Like, okay, so here's the problem. You have to, it's more than just hearing it, seeing it, and writing it down. It's more than that. You know, like in Hebrews 4 and verse 2, he says, For unto us was the gospel preached as well as unto them, but the word preached them did not profit them, not being mixed with faith in them that heard it. So there was a group of people who heard the gospel, but they didn't mix it with faith. They They weren't thinking about it. They just heard it, and they were done with it, and it was, you know, it didn't profit them. So we can hear the word of God, just, you know, hear the words, and stop there. But after we hear it and after we comprehend it, then we can mull it over. That's the meditation part of this. We have to think about what we've read and think about how it fits into our world and how we are going to respond with that word of God. Then the most important thing is after we've heard it, comprehended it, mulled it over in our minds and thought about how it fits in with my life and how, how that can mold me and change different situations in my life, then it's putting it into action. I'm not gonna read these verses, but Matthew 7 here, Jesus talking about those who built their house on the, on the rock and on the sand. Those, the, the difference in these people is the ones who built their house on the sand, they heard the word of God, but they didn't do it. The ones who built their house on the rock heard the word of God, and it says that they did it and implied in that is that they thought about it because if, if they just heard it and then they did, there's, there's obviously the process that's happened there. That they've heard it, they've comprehended it, they've meditated on it, and they've learned how to implement it to become wise so that they can be considered that person who built their house on the rock. Okay, for the last verse here of Psalm 119, of, of our passage of 119 verse 16, he says, "'I will delight myself in thy statutes. I will not forget thy word.'" So I want to focus on here, he says, that I would delight myself in thy statutes. In 1 John 5, 3, and 4, he says, For this is the love of God that we keep his commandments, and his commandments are not grievous. For whatsoever is born of God overcometh the world, and this is the victory that overcometh the world, even our faith. It says that God's word is not grievous. And if you look up that word grievous, um, it means that it's heavy in weight. So God's Word is not heavy in weight. The way a lot of people look at the Word of God is they're like, oh, look at all those rules. Oh, wow. Really? And they totally misunderstand what the Word of God does for us and totally are, are ignorant of what God wants for us. They view it as being heavy in weight, but He says, John says that it's not heavy in weight. You know, when we follow God's Word, it gives us victory over the world. It gives us victory over a lot of difficult situations that we may have gone through if we were following our heart instead of following His Word, if we were hiding behind our heart instead of hiding behind the Scriptures. And as we, as we learn to, to trust in God's Word, we should delight in it. And again, people who, who look at the Word of God like that, like it's just a, you know, just a bunch of rules, they, they don't realize how good it is to follow God. They don't realize how good it is to be a Christian. And to me, the psalmist is saying, not only am I, am I doing your word, but he says, it's my pleasure to do your word. It's my pleasure to do your word. And that should be our attitude, is it should be our pleasure to serve him. Now, if you think about when a drug addict defeats their addiction through the power of God's word, What a delight it is for that person to overcome that difficult thing in their life accomplished by studying the word of god think about whenever an alcoholic overcomes alcohol it's a delight for them doing god's word becomes a delight because it allows them to defeat the thing that has kept them down and has kept them in the prison that they've been in whenever an adulterer overcomes that through the word of god Again, everything we could think of, what a delight it is for us to do the word of God so that we can overcome the things that Satan snares us with. In Matthew eleven twenty-eight through 30, Jesus said, "'Come unto me, all you that labor and are heavy laden, I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn of me, for I am meek and lowly in heart, and you shall, you shall find rest unto your souls, for my yoke is easy and my burden is light.'" I want to finish off this evening by just reading this entire second section of the 119th Psalm. Wherewithal shall a young man cleanse his way? By taking heed thereto according to thy word. With my whole heart have I sought thee. O, oh, let me not wander from thy commandments. Thy word have I hid in my heart that I might not sin against thee. Blessed art thou, O Lord. Teach me thy statutes. With my lips have I declared all the judgments of thy mouth. I have rejoiced in the way of thy testimonies as much as in all riches. I will meditate in thy precepts and have respect unto thy ways. I will delight myself in thy statutes. I will not forget thy word. If you're here this evening and you've been taught the word of God and you haven't, haven't fully obeyed that in taking the first steps, we would love to assist you. If you've heard the word of God... You're ready, to, you're ready to wholeheartedly embrace what the Word of God teaches. You're ready to repent, turn from your old lifestyle. You're ready to confess that Jesus is the Son of God, and then finally to be baptized to, to ultimately be put into Christ. If you're ready to do that tonight, we'd love to assist you. Or if you're here and you're struggling with something, and the prayers of your brothers and sisters here would encourage you, we'd ask one of either class to come to the front as we stand and sing.